Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 210 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me for the first time in a while, he's actually changed jobs since then, Chris Barnwall of CBS Sports. What's up, man? Uh, not much. How about you? Uh, you know, it's June. Um, it's sort of the day. It's sort of yeah. It's it's always hot in Atlanta. Uh, don't call it hot Atlanta though. That's that's against the rules. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's warm here. Um, June is the time. Uh, recently, the Hawks. Uh, we've kind of been still doing season debrief stuff, but because they lost in the first round this year, uh, we're already in the full draft mode. So uh, I've been doing draft stuff for a couple weeks already. And uh, good to have you around to talk about some free agency stuff because the draft's coming, but uh, free agency's you know less than two weeks after that. So uh, we'll spend some time talking about some players today, if that's all right with you. Uh, I personally think the free agency is more fun than the draft, so glad you have me for this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a draft guy, so I love the draft, but I think a lot of people don't love the draft. And a lot My of people... thing with the draft is that I feel like we put too much stock into it. That's It's possible, and I think... The NBA draft especially is kind of weird because it's only two rounds. And uh, I know a lot of NBA people – I don't really fall into this bin, but a lot of NBA people don't like college basketball. So, like, it's like a chore to go watch these guys, which I, I understand. I'm not a f- big college basketball guy. I don't hate it, but I don't love it by any means. My thing with the draft is just I always feel like we kind of care about players' draft position way too much. Like – I think it was Terry Rozier and the Celtics a few years ago. Everyone was freaking out about where he got picked. And I was just like, meh, I don't really care where he got picked as long as he's an NBA player. And that's how I feel about like really any draft pick, one through 30. Obviously, if you draft one, you want him to be a star player. But I just typically stop caring where players were drafted at some point where I'm like, okay, I really care about them being as an NBA player. And I feel like people hold these numbers onto them way too long. That that is definitely true. Uh, I think you know you get you get three, four, five years into a, into a guy's career, and you're still, and you're still referring to them as a, like a former number two pick. I think about Derek Williams as a guy like that. So Marvin Williams is like that. Yeah, you're, you're like you're like required to reference that. You know, you know that uh, I don't know Anthony Bennett was the former number one number one overall pick, and I I get that. It's just kind of funny uh, with the way we talk about stuff. But you know, contract stuff, it all matters. I, I love the draft, so I understand where you're coming from. To be sure, uh, but you're right. I, the overarching point is that uh, you know once the guys are in the league, unless they're for, unless they're not first rounders, and you're talking about contract stuff. Uh, aside from that, it doesn't really matter. Like Torian Prince was the number twelve pick last year. I think if you had to do it over again, he'd be he'd be picked higher than that. I think he actually played very well in a really really bad rookie class. And you know, five years from now, if Torian Prince is really good, we won't care that he went number twelve instead of number nine. So I'm with you. Right, which that's also kind of weird. How like when you're picked low. And you play well, it's like, oh, well, that's a steal. And it's like, wait, so 
Malcolm Brogdon. Why is it a steal just because teams passed on them? Yeah, I mean, M- Malcolm Brogdon was a guy I loved coming in, but, like, no one had him going, like, north of, like, any higher than, like, the mid-20s. Like, there were some people that thought, I, th- I thought he could have been a reasonable first-round pick, and I was, like, the highest possible on him. And then he went at 40 and was basically, you know, if not the best rookie in the league last year, uh, one of the top two or three. So, uh, yeah, kind of crazy. It doesn't really matter, as we talked about. And uh, the Bucks have a nice little value in that he's a second-round pick and they have him on this great deal. But aside from that, uh, you know, he's just a guy in the league now. <laughs> um, I mean, that's how I always see players. Like, once, especially after their first, after their rookie year, it's like, okay, they're a guy in the league. That's how we judge them on their NBA career where they were drafted as pointless at this point. That's such an NBA thing, Chris, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, now that you're now that you're a professional NBA writer, uh, full time, this is your Big job. Big time. Uh, I, I'm I'm almost blessed to have you on the podcast. Now I'm glad you'll still t- you'll still take my calls. It's nice. Uh, I appreciate yes, uh, that. Please put your check in the mail to. Uh, wait, have, hold on. Are we recording? Yes, we are. This is a high budget podcast too, so uh, you can imagine the check would be very large. <laughs> of course. I talked I talked your uh, I, I won't say boss, but your your senior your senior uh, basketball writer Matt Moore into coming on once, and I couldn't believe he said yes. So. I'll just target you from now on as my CBS context. I have a, I have a secret. I have a secret. We're not that important. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. People do put some uh, – I had uh, – just for this little bit of a back channel thing that we could talk about. I had Kevin Pelton on the show relatively early, and uh, I got like five emails that were like, how did you get Kevin Pelton? And I, I basically said I, – I sent him a message and asked him if he'd come on. That was it. <laughs> and Kevin's like a super nice guy. I met him. I met him, I met him at summer league. It's not like, not like we're friends or anything. I just sent him a message like, "Hey, Kevin, I'm doing this podcast. We come on." Yes. All right, and there it is. So <laughs> it's not not not, not the that secrets of the podcast trade. There it is. Uh, anyway, we should talk about some basketball. Let's talk about some guys here. Um, you know, the Hawks have a new GM and Travis Schlenk. I won't claim to know a ton about him aside from what I've heard from other people. I'm pretty happy with that move. But his first order of business, uh, if not. Um, sort of calendar-wise, but definitely his uh, the biggest domino this summer is Paul Millsap. We kind of know that. You and I talked about that on the podcast and offline in the past. Uh, that's sort of the one that thinks to ha- you know that sort of leads everything. Uh, do you think he's going to be around? I guess this is the best question. It kind of There's been uh, some consternation recently that Millsap might be willing to take a little bit less than I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get a max deal somewhere, if not in Atlanta. It would take him. I would, it, would, it would require him taking less if the Hawks. Uh, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay him the five, the full five-year max. So I just. I guess the question is, where are you at on Paul Millsap with regard to the Hawks and what they should be doing with him this summer? Well, what they should be doing is letting him walk, because if you resign him, you're basically admitting that you don't want to even chance a rebuild when you have a roster that is very clearly not ready to win right now. Like, it doesn't matter what they do this summer. This is a weak free agency class. It doesn't matter what they do this summer. They're not going to be competing for a title next year or, quite frankly, competing for the conference finals. The roster just isn't good enough to do that. So re-signing Paul Millsap just doesn't sound like the right move. That said, they're totally going to re-sign Paul Millsap. They're going to give him a lot of money, and he's going to resign, or at least he—I don't know if he will resign, but they're going to try and resign him. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, people that listen to the podcast know that I'm with you on this. I've been saying it since you know probably January, or even before that. Um, I'm wondering, is there a number? Is there a semi-realistic number in which you would actually pay Paul, or does it almost not matter to you? Like within reason. Obviously, if Paul wants to take ten million a year, you'll sign him, but. Within reason, like I think, I think the absolute minimum he would take in a year one would be like twenty five million, and that's still a huge discount. 
Uh, is there a number where you would uh, sort of endorse the Hulk signing him, or does that not even exist to you? Uh, I mean, it's not that it doesn't exist to me. It's just based on what I think his value is at. Like, yeah, if he's taking role player money at ten million a year again, which by the way, if he does that again, he he's needs to fire it. his agent. It's not happening. It's just like, absolutely not happening. <laughs> like, he did that. He did that. How many? He did that twice. Yeah, the first time he signed, uh, it was a bombshell that no one leaked, and it just announced it was two years, nineteen million, and I I triple taked. It was that was the day, that was the first Danny Ferry special, and I could not. I thought it was a misprint. I was checking on things like there's no way that's true, and he did. He signed for two years, nineteen million. The last time he got paid, I mean, he, he got he got twenty million a year, um, but even then he he got less than he should have gotten in his last contract. I think so the Magic yeah, offered him more. It, it was he, he took a little bit less to stay in Atlanta because it was Orlando, and Orlando was sort of like I guess the only reported suitor, and so that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're picking between the Hawks and the team that's like you know equally bad or worse, like maybe he'll take <laughs> a little bit less. But I think his market this time around is going to be more flush. Uh, than just Orlando. Like if I guess if Orlando calls comes coming comes calling again, which they absolutely could. They're rumored to like Paul up. I hope not. If, I know. I mean, the are the hero. They have so many picks. But if they were to offer, for, for instance, if they were to offer the full max to Paul Millsap, so that's four years and about and about 150 million. Uh, if the Hawks offered, you know, if, if that was the only two teams and the Hawks offered four years and 140, maybe he would stay. But I think it's gonna be more than two teams. And like again, I just. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a tough spot. Like you mentioned, the role player money. I think he's not going to get that. I I I would say the the absolute minimum he that he would take in a deal, starting in year one, would be twenty five. Is that is that too much? For instance, if he said four years and a hundred million, so twenty five flat, which is way less than I think he's going to get. By the way, would you give him that contract? Uh, I guess it really. What sucks is they're going to resign. The first thing they're going to do is retry and resign Millsap, which. If they were to get him at that, I feel like that would leave a lot of cap space for them for them because they have so many other options, or they have so many players leaving this summer. The problem, though, Chris Barnwell, like, and, I'm, and I'm glad you said that, is that even if they did that, they won't have any cap space. Because yeah, okay, obviously I'm misinformed on this one. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I'm glad you said that because because of the fact that it's something I've been ranting about because they have guys like Kent Bazemore and Dwight Howard. And Dennis Schroeder under contract, the three of those guys alone make about uh, $55 million per year uh, the next two years. Uh, and then you so, throw in, uh, if, you, if you threw in, for instance, 25 for Millsap, you're now at $80 million. Uh, and then you still have cap holds for guys like Hardaway Jr. and Muscala. And, and then you have the, the, the rookies who are making very little money, but, you know, combined probably $5 million between those guys. In short, you might have, like, if, if Millsap took a discount, you might have $10 million in cap space, maybe. And that's nothing, as we all know, to fill, like, a roster of seven people that they have to sign. So that's the thing. Like, I, I think people are over – and I understand this uh, 100%. And we can talk about, you know, baseball and Howard in a second – I understand wholeheartedly, like the concept of Millsap maybe taking a team discount, a hometown discount, I should say. But like, even if he does that, you don't really have flexibility, and that's one thing that Travis Schlenk's been saying everywhere he's been interviewed. He's like, we want to maintain flexibility, and it's like, well, I hope that you're saying that because you're leaning towards letting Paul Millsap go, because that's the only way you're going to have flexibility. It's either that or trade someone. Because yeah, I'm looking at the cast face right now. You're exactly. right; they don't. Those well, that, contracts just totally mess them up. But oh, that almost makes me wonder if I mean I guess if they let him walk, they'll have a lot more space to sign people. 
But again, what I was going to go into is that this is a really weak free agency class, so I almost feel like damned if you do, damned if you don't. You either re-sign Millsap and you're stuck in purgatory for a little while, but at least the roster's not terrible for the most part, I guess. You know, you have a you try to re-sign guys on bird rights and you just kind of wait it out until some of those mega guys are gone. Or I guess you can let them walk and just kind of start over and try to build through the draft for a while, but that's going to that's gonna take a bit, especially with, since you have Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder on the roster, who I guess you could try and trade him. But I know a lot of people aren't really thrilled with Howard, but he's still a good enough player to where you're probably going to be at around 35 wins every year. So I almost – wow, they're really going to – either they're going to have to make some trades or – I think the first thing they need to do on draft night is they need to decide what they're doing this summer. And that is what will if they trade Dwight Howard on draft night, then they can start worrying about. Then they can start worrying about. Okay, what do we do with Paul Millsap and his cap and his cap space? Because that will open you up more to actually like be a little more flexible in the summer. Because right now they're really just not in a good position. Yeah, we could, we should talk about Howard just while we're here. But I don't know, man. It's it's really tough in that uh, if you sign everybody. For instance, if you run it back, you're probably going to win 41 games, 42 games, something like that. 40, 40, 40, 40 to 45, depending on sure if, on know. who people playing well. Like, there's fluctuations. I do think 45 is your absolute ceiling that's currently constructed. Just, just because, right, they're not winning 50. No, I mean, this team, I've said it over and over again, had a negative point differential. And if you don't buy into that, they still only won uh, 42 ga- or 43 games. So it's one of those things where... Uh, if they get lucky and get some uh, some big jumps from Schroeder and Prince, uh, maybe that maybe that offsets some decline from guys like even Millsap and even Howard who are getting up there in age. Uh, so yeah, something somewhere in there. I think that's that's my least favorite option of all is signing everyone. I, I do understand that um, because the free agency class. This is something people are bringing up, so I'm glad you said it. Is that the free agency class is not not strong? So if you were to lose Millsap, it's like how do you replace him? My, my thing that's... would be not to replace him. I would not be trying to win this year. If Paul Mossap leaves, you're not going to replicate him. And just honestly, my one, cons- yeah, my one concern with letting Millsap go, and then like just kind of running it back with like the rosters you have, just you know filling out cast space with the young guys, is like I said. While I'm not particularly high on Schroeder, and while Howard's not the best center anymore, I still think they're like going to just be mediocre. Yeah, not might have been used to be a GM. He's not going to try to lose games as a coach. No, there's no chance. Of, I mean, I, I do think they'll be worse than people think they'll be. I think this year, um, you know, their record without Paul Millsap is pretty telling. I think if they were just to run the same roster, which they're not going to do. If Millsap leaves, they're going to change some other stuff. I don't know what it's going to be. It's tough to really figure that out. But, if, for instance, we just did the thought experiment of last year's team without Paul Millsap and, like, with, like, you know, average power forward X they probably would have won somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 games, I think. Uh, that's how big of a drop-off it would have been. But that's not – I mean – But that I, still might not be enough for like – I mean, I guess – I really – this is my lack of draft knowledge showing up. Uh, if upcoming drafts were deep, like they would be able to take, capitalize on that. But No, I, just, I get it. I mean, that's that's the argument against like – for me, I, I wouldn't just, love that. They're really – they're so dangerously close. They're walking this really dangerous line right now of like – like basketball purgatory is it stinks. Well, they're but at least you're like it, at least you're in the playoffs. At least you're competing for like playoff spots. Mediocrity is the worst. No, and that's I'm with that's what that's where your your hometown Magic have been for so long. Um, it's trust me, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I mean, there's something to be said for I, I guess you would rather be 
the type of mediocre that the Hawks are right now, in which you're making the playoffs every year, you're making those, uh, you're at least competitive. You know, you can brag on the playoff streak that you have, which is the longest in the Eastern Conference, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I guess, more fun than being the mediocre team that wins 33 games a year. Um, and but for me, like, I, if 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 for instance, if you decided you were not going to sign Paul Millsap basically at all, uh, just because you think he's going to get too much money, I would understand that. And from there. I would be trying to look for other things. Like I would immediately, number one priority after that would be getting Dwight Howard off the roster because you do not want Dwight Howard around on a non-playoff team. That's about the worst possible influence you want on a, on a team that's not going to be good because he was already not too happy at the end of last year. That was uh, publicly available in his exit interview. Um, if, if the team is worse and they would be worse, you don't want Dwight around. Uh, so if you can get rid of him and, and the contract, I'm not saying you have to full-on tank. That's something that I've, uh, I should be more clear on. I'm not in, necessarily going into full-on tank mode, but I do think you need to be more fiscally responsible, maybe target some more younger players. Like I would not go out and sign a Paul Millsap replacement at big money. I, I guess if you want to talk, talk Blake Griffin out, out to me, then maybe that's the one guy. And I, I still wouldn't even – by the way, he's not coming. Uh, but yeah, he's, not, he's not coming to Atlanta. I'm that's... with you. But at least if, if you give me that name, then okay, whatever. But aside from that, like all the all the guys who are going to get big-time money at that position, you know, your Danilo Gallinari's, your Rudy Gay's, that kind of stuff, I wouldn't be willing to actually pay for those guys because that just ensures you that you're going to win 37 games. Like those guys are too good to make your team terrible – but not good enough to be Paul Millsap for you. Um, so right, and I that's why wanted... I think they need to make these moves on draft night. Like they need to be going into free agency with a uh, with a full on idea of what they're going to do, whether that's keeping Millsap or not. Like I think they need to make move. They need to make roster move trades on draft night and just so that way they can go on with a more clear conscience. Because if you go into the free agency with the idea of like, okay, we don't want to be mediocre. We need to re-sign Paul Millsap. And then you re-sign Paul Millsap, and then an offer for Dwight Howard comes in, like that's the most perfect offer ever. Two days later, you're boned. You just like you trade Dwight Howard, but you just re-sign Millsap, and all of a sudden you're still stuck in the exact same situation you wanted to avoid. Yeah, well, I, I will say this. This is just me talking, and I understand I'm probably lower on Dwight than than most. If I signed Paul, I would still try to get rid of Dwight. No, I I think that's correct to do because just it's such a problem. But I, it's more more so the case of like you could have started you could have started the process of a rebuild oh yeah and instead instead they did exactly what they've been doing for the last two years which is half-assing both oh I, i'm absolutely with you on that and this uh half-assing is the worst possible match i mean for me you know not doing anything at the trade deadline last year except for you know adding all this stuff was something i didn't like but the worst i think i'll say this again i said it before the worst possible scenario this summer in my opinion is to run it back is to pay paul and pay tim and run it back. That that is the nightmare for me. That is second worst scenario to me because I think worst scenario is setting themselves up for a thirty-five win team, which would be letting Millsap walk and then signing like Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, that that might be true. So yeah, if you're gonna tell me that they're gonna spend huge money on a worse power forward and do nothing else, I guess that's the worst case. You're you're right about that. If you were to you know, if you're gonna give a hundred million dollars to Danilo Gallinari instead, that's worse. I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, but I don't know. It's just the whole concept of locking yourself into this to this you know sort of churning mess that it is. 
And it's not, I shouldn't, I don't know, I feel like I'm too negative about the team as it currently constructed. They're not awful. It's not, it, was, it just wasn't a fun product last year. I, I, I think if you want, you could talk me into Paul Millsap. I won't, I won't like the contract, but if you want to change some other stuff and play a, play a better brand of basketball, i.e. don't play Dwight Howard and go, go smaller, play Paul more at the five, like do some more creative things and kind of let Budenholzer cook in the way that he can, that's a much better, much more entertaining product. It's going to be a mess down the line with Millsap. Um, so that's why I still wouldn't do that. But if, if you told me, you know, they're going to give Paul, uh, if you avoid the fifth year especially, give him four years, even even if it's the max, four years, and you, and you get rid of Howard and go a little bit smaller, faster, younger, then okay. That's not, I won't love that, but it's better than the current setup, in my opinion. Right, I agree with that. And last year, while it wasn't the most fun brand of basketball to work, to watch, I actually was okay with their, with their at least their process, of their idea process of, Okay, what do we need? Like, what did they lose to Cleveland because of? They lost because of rebounding. Okay, let's go get Dwight Howard. What was uh, one of our weaker points that we probably could have improved that? Well, maybe Jeff T gets inconsistent enough for us. Let's go get a potentially high ceiling guy and a shooter. I like the risks they took, but it all blew up so colossally in their face in such a spectacular manner that it just it led to this. And I don't think that you're too low on them. I think you just – you realize the futility of the situation. Like, it's not like – for. The worst thing that a fan can be in is just futile, is a futile situation. Like every fan wants to see that their team is either going steadily up or steadily down. They want progress. When you just feel like you're in a constant like donut, like doing a donut in a car, uh, like just, it feels awful. It's like we're not going anywhere. We're just ramming ourselves into the same situation over and over and over again. Like so, I don't think it's bad to be negative on them because just. Atlanta's in such as we just discussed it, like they're in this really awful position of like toe lighting mediocrity and purgatory. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not a I'm not a full on, you know, tanking enthusiast either. Oh, I'm not either. I know. But... I mean I, I I think I'm I'm closer to that side of things than a lot of other people are, and there are some people that are just anti rebuild in general. That I don't understand because for me, you don't have to win twelve games. I just think, you know, and Schlenk said this on the record a couple times now since he's been introduced as the GM, like it's it's more about avoiding bad contracts and being like just responsible and like you already have one bad contract for sure on your books and Kent Bazemore, that's a bad contract. I, I would argue Dwight Howard is a bad contract as well at this point just because even if you like Dwight as a player, there are so many centers available that, you, that will replicate at least close to his production for so much less money. Um, so, you know, he's not a bad player. It's just, the, it's the contract you're paying him, you know, $24 million a year. He's not, he's not worth that at this point in time. There's other, there's other things too. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, I, I think is a decent contract. Uh, I would argue it's a value, honestly, but it's not a great one. And I think if you sign Paul Mosap, the second he signs, it becomes a bad contract. Um, and I love Paul, you know, more than anyone, I would argue. I mean, I think he's a top 20 player in the league still, and I, I absolutely love his game, but I can't imagine him signing a deal that's not a bad contract. Right. Like just... If they give him money, they're giving him a lot of money, and like you said, then you're just kind of doing this thing where you're, you're probably going to roll it back. Yeah, and by the way, he shouldn't take less to stay in Atlanta. That's just my. He I, really doesn't like. He shouldn't. I mean, for me, if I'm Paul Millsap, I'm, I'm all about winning. I would encourage guys to do that. Like people laud David West for leaving eight figures on the table. I get all that, but for me, if if Paul Millsap's going to take less money, he should take less money to go to a contender, not to just stay, not go not to, to stay. stay in Atlanta. Just not Golden State, please. Well, no, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's got to be a team that can. If he takes minimum going to Golden State, I quit basketball. Well, no, I, <laughs> I do think that this is the sleeper that I've been saying. I think Houston is interesting because they actually have the space and they would be awesome with Paul Millsap. 
Um, and, and of course, the other one's Boston, and I, I would not. Uh, I would not recommend. <laughs> let's I would, bring, I would let's not bring the Hawks that. back. Yeah, I would not recommend <laughs> that. We've seen how that ends, but I do think Houston is super interesting. But anyway, um, oh without, man, without, I kind of want, want that. I want that. I don't. I don't, don't want to take money out of Paul Millsap's pocket either. It's like get that money, Paul. You've been underpaid for so long that I hope he gets as much money as anyone offers him, and I will defend him. Uh, to the end of my, to the end of my breath, if he if he's overpaid because it's not his fault. Somebody paid him the money. That's what happens. Uh, same thing with Joe Johnson and other guys. If somebody offers you money, you take it. That's what happens. You, this is your job. Uh, so anyway, without with all that said, I, I just think there are other scenarios. I, I do think you know. I guess I'll ask you for your prediction as well. I do think Millsap's going to sign if you held a gun to my head and asked me to pick. I think it's less likely now that Schlenk is in place. If it had been the same crew with uh, the owner sort of uh, nudging in that direction. I, I was, I was ready for the Hawks to sign Paul Millsap to a massive contract. I think it's a little, it's a little bit less likely now that you have a more forward thinking GM on board. I just, for me, the question is whether he has a mandate to try to sign Paul or not from the owner. And we're just not going to know that. Um, but I guess, where are you? Are you, I guess I, from earlier, I think I'm, you're expecting uh, the Hawks to actually pull the trigger on it. Probably. I think they're going to try to resign him. I don't know if he, st- I don't know if he personally sure. stays, but I think they're going to try. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, hopefully somebody else pays more and he leaves. Uh, and that's not <laughs> that's that said. With all uh, due respect to Paul, who I love, I do. I hope he's not on the team next year, unless it's uh, on some crazy uh, value contract that I can't imagine happening. So, uh, from Paul, we can get into your favorite player, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, hey, you knew this was coming. Uh, Chris is a uh, an unabashed troll of me when it comes to Tim Hardaway Jr. and he is higher on him than I am. I'll say that, but. Uh, he's. If we just remove Millsap, I think Harwood Jr.'s free agency is incredibly interesting as well, um, both in conjunction with Paul and sort of in a vacuum itself. Uh, if the Hawks were to lose Paul, for instance, they have Tim on a pretty low cap hold, um, which could be valuable if you're trying to use cap space. But if Millsap signs, they don't have any cap space, et cetera, et cetera. But just as a player... Hardaway's divisive. Uh, I don't think he's a starter long term. A, a lot of people disagree with me on that. I got into a, a, a discussion on Monday, um, sort of organically. Uh, someone had tweeted about how J.R. Smith was worse than all these players. One of them was Tim Hardaway Jr. And I just made the comment that J.R. Smith is better than Tim Hardaway Jr. And people did not appreciate that. Uh, so I don't know. Hey, hang on. We need to stop this whole thing where we pretend J.R. Smith is still bad. Like, oh, and, and the thing is, Jr. Like I got not... a, I got a discussion today about him too, and someone was saying that he wouldn't make an. They were saying uh, that Drew Holiday would have a bigger impact in the NBA Finals than uh, Jr. Smith, and while that might be correct, it almost sounded like they were saying that Jr. Smith isn't that good, and I was just vehemently disagreed that this the idea that Jr. Smith is still not a good player. Like he's been great in Cleveland the last three years. He's had a rough year this year, but like give the guy some credit. Like, yeah, he's was, been awesome for them. I was gonna say the same thing. Like his his year this year, you know, with injuries and he had the off court stuff with, uh, you know, his he was having his uh, his uh, newborn was battling for their life. So I can imagine all the stuff's going on in his head. So this year has not been great for Jr. He's not been great in the finals. But with that said, like he's a much better defender than Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, much better shooter than Tim Hardaway Jr. Et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't really matter. I just agree. I just thought it was interesting, sort of in the context of like people were outraged. That I would dare to say that Tim Hardaway Jr. was not better than J.R. Smith. So well, it's just because you're a Michigan man, and like yeah. he's the one player, he's the one Michigan player you didn't like. And no, that, that is, was it was Hawks that is fans, eternally man. hilarious. It was Hawks fans that were that were furious. But no, there's there's a segment of this fan base, and they're listening right now that that, that think Tim is this like no doubt starting shooting guard moving forward, and I, I just don't see that. I know you're a little. I, I want to tell that man. fan base, please continue to troll Dre. Troll Brad in, in my name as far as Tim Hardaway Jr. goes. 
but uh, <laughs> until, yeah. until he's no longer on the Hawks. <laughs> it is fun. Uh, I should say that is fun uh, sometimes. But seriously, though, it's like what <laughs> he won you a game in Houston by himself. Like he did. That, it's hilarious. <laughs> he certainly did. Uh, Tim had he listen. He had he had a very nice year. I will not take that away from him. He had a very good year, a better year than I ever thought he'd have. And I will say that again. But I don't know. With that said, what do you think his market is? Because I'm having a really really hard time nailing down what I think he's going to get paid. There seems to be a pretty big split. Like I've seen people think he's going to get as high as like 14, 15 million. And I think people are, people uh, have also said he's going to get as low as like eight, 9 million. And I'm not sure which one that is. If the Hawks can get him for 8 million, then sure. Sign me up. I think it's going to be more than that. Um, and of course he is entering his prime in terms of years, which does help the situation. He's still fairly young, but uh, I guess the jury is out on just how good he is because of the playoffs, et cetera. And like we haven't talked since then on the podcast, and he was really not good in the playoffs. Probably lost himself some money there. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about Tim and his free agency? Uh, adding in the fact that he's restricted as well, which is always sort of a weird thing in, in its own right. Um, I think his market is, is going to be a little bit higher than he actually is as a player because as the market, like we said earlier, this is a really weak free agency class, and that's naturally going to raise his cost because. Just it natural. This always happens. A GM somewhere swings the swing and they miss on all the players they want, and they panic and they go, "Oh no, I gotta get someone." Tim Hardaway Jr. was good last year. Give him a max. Like that's not gonna happen, but like that's the kind of stuff that raises a player's value. So I think he's gonna be worth a lot more than like I think he actually is should be worth money wise. That said, I think he. I don't think he's a starter caliber player, but I think he's a really pop. He's a really good rotation guy. I think he's a quality – if what we've seen in Atlanta is true of him, I think he could be a really quality rotation player because Atlanta does this thing where they bring out the best in a player. So there is definitely like some concern with like him because we saw in New York how bad he was. But also the Knicks are one of the worst development teams in the NBA and like it's not even close. So, <laughs> But as far as like his value, I think he's a little – he's going to make a little bit more than he probably should. I don't think it's going to be like the Evan Turner contract – and I think he's going to be solid wherever he goes. Maybe not as good as he is in Atlanta. And if you're the Hawks, depending on what he gets, if someone offers $10 million a year, I would, I'd match that because what else are they going to fill out their roster with? But, uh, I mean, it can't really hurt. But anything really above that, I would probably let him walk. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like he, He's 25. He turned 25 in March. You know, you're, you're going to get – um, what I assume is going to be a four-year deal, most likely, for him, of basically his entire quote-unquote prime, uh, which I understand uh, probably impacts his value a little bit. Being restricted is tough. Uh, you know, the, the, the new CBA did some work to help them a little bit, but it's still a rough spot for if you're a restricted free agent, especially if you're not a premium guy because uh, teams have to tie up their cap space to try to sign you. I do think like, like a team like Brooklyn might try to invest in Hardaway Jr., somebody that has some extra money that wants somebody that's young-ish, might be on their timeline. He might be interesting there. I just don't think he's a starter, but somebody will see him as a starter. I'm, 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 pre, I'm, fairly, con, I'm fairly convinced of that. Someone will pay him starter-ish money. Um, I, just I don't, don't know. know if I agree with that because I don't – while he had a good year, it wasn't um, – I think it was Matt Moore who we were talking about when you – was it you who got, who compared him to uh, Evan Turner? Uh, who it, said he would get the Evan Turner contract or was that uh, – It was not me. Was that uh, uh, Gibberman? He's not going to get that much, I don't think. So someone in our conversation said he was going to get the Evan Turner contract. And I remember I was like, no, he's not going to get that because while he had a good year, Evan Turner in Boston was like this really public thing. Like 
he was playing well on a playoff team and like everyone knew he was playing well and it was getting talked about all the time. And when we just mentioned earlier about the number two draft pick thing, he was a number two, former number two draft pick. So I was like, Oh, Evan Turner should, should of course get this money. I don't think he's going to get started money. Cause I don't think anyone noticed that he was good this year. Like he was fought, like he was good this year, but I don't think really anyone paid attention to that. Yeah. My, my big thing with Hardaway has always been that I'm not sure he has the one sort of like, I don't know, marketing, marketed skill. Like he's not a, he's not a die shooter. He's a bad defender. Like he's, he was good off the dribble this year. He was really good at getting to the rim uh, better than I ever thought he'd be. And he's really athletic, but he doesn't always use that athleticism the best way. So I'm kind of with you that he shouldn't get that money. And when I say starter money, I don't think he's going to get that contract. I do think in general, this, this off season, the market is not going to be as robust as it was last year. I think everybody saw how many bad deals were signed a year ago, like Kent Bazemore. I think, for instance, he's not going to get as much money as Kent Bazemore got. Um, and even if, it, even if it's in Atlanta, I can't imagine that he's going to get that much money, even if people think he's better now, which I don't think he's better than Kent Bazemore, but it's, it's always close. He was better last year than Kent Bazemore, I will say that. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's really tough uh, to, to sort of nail it down just because it, it all depends on what the market's going to bear. Uh, it, because he is so young, I would understand it uh, to a to a degree, I'll disagree with it, but I'll at least understand it if somebody wants to pay him, you know, fourteen million a year, something like that. Um, See, if he gets offered fourteen million and not Atlanta, I don't. Re- I don't. Oh match. no, I don't either. There's no way. I was gonna, I was going to ask you what number you would what number you would match on because for ten, me, I would match at ten, twelve at most if you had a horrendously awful free agency period. Yeah, for me, I wouldn't. I I know I'm too low on him compared to the consensus, but like, I can't imagine going more than like eight. Which means I'm not. That's gonna... that's too low. I know it is, but the because thing is, the, I don't, the I don't average think he's the average role player money is ten million now. And I, but for me, like I don't, I don't think he's any. I don't think that's a value. I, I think ten million is fine, honestly. I, it's 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 more of a thing for me. Like I don't think four years, forty million for Tim Hardaway Jr. is a value. I think it's fine. I don't think it's a bad contract, but I don't think he's the type of asset for me. If you're the Hawks, and listen, if you're the Hawks, and you're if you, if you're gonna pay Paul Millsap then it makes it easier to swallow the four for 40 for Hardaway Jr. because you don't have any space anyway. So maybe so he's basically he's basically your only option at that point in time. Uh, it's him it's him or the mid-level and he's probably going to get more than the mid-level. So like okay, if if you're already committed, if you're if you're pot committed so to speak to this team with Paul Millsap on it and you're trying to win uh, as the owner wants you to do, um yeah, four for 44 to Hardaway Jr. Like I wouldn't do it, but I won't just be outraged. If if it's four for fifty six, I'd be can't outraged. Sign that contract. Yeah, you just can't do it. I mean, I won't like it regardless. Uh, I would not. I would not pay him um, what it's going to take to pay him. I've I've sort of just come around to that. But there there is a line that you can cross where it becomes uh, okay, and then it crosses into awful. And I think that See, numbers are like twelve, like four for fifty or more is bad. Like I think if the Hawks were better, you'd be a little more okay with the contract, like a ten million dollar a year contract. But because you're just looking at the fact that like this, all this cap space that has to be ta- that's going to be taken up by all these guys, and then you see Tim Hardaway Jr., who you're still unsure of, like possibly making ten million a year. Like I can see why that would be like, no, he should be. He's taking up way too much cap space with that. Like I totally see why that would that would be an issue. My whole thing though is. I they need players on the roster. That is true. I mean, part of, and this is honestly, I was going to ask <laughs> they you. They can't this go question. out and sign a bunch of minimum guys. That's that's true. As I was going to ask you this actually because how much of it does a how much does a calculus affected for you that the Hawks already have Torian Prince, DeAndre Bembry, and Kent Bazemore on the roster when it comes to Hardaway Jr. Because for me, it matters 
It doesn't matter that much, but at some point you're going to have to sign a wing or acquire a wing that can actually shoot the basketball. And if those are your <laughs> so four, stop being the three point shooting team well, that can't shoot threes. Right. And that's my thing. I mean, it's not, it's not a shot at Hardaway necessarily, but um, there was a lot of things he did well this year. Shooting threes is not one, not one of them. He has a really pretty shot. Um, he was much better in the mid range this year. I will give him that. But you know, if those are your four core wings, you don't have a shooter in the bunch. And I, I mean, it's not, his, it's not Tim Hardaway Jr.'s fault that you invested too much money in Kent Bazemore and that you drafted two guys last year who I like both of them, but neither one of them profiles as a dead-eye shooter. So I just don't – that's part of it for me. I don't think it's a huge deciding factor, but if I, I just don't, I don't, I don't love the fact that if you want to roll forward with those four guys as short of your four wings, that's not a – that's definitely not a championship contender level. That's not even like a home court advantage level wing rotation for me. Like even, even, even if you love Torian Prince, and I really, really like Torian Prince – I think he's going to be his ceiling is somewhere in like the extremely good role player zone, which is a great a great player and a great find. But like I don't know, if those are your four wings, you might be in trouble spacing wise. No, I get that. Like you want shooting, and you need shooting. You much rather, want you need shooting. Big well, time. right, but <laughs> what and need are two different things in this free yes. agency class. <laughs> like <laughs> so, like I get that there's a want and a need for shooting here, and you'd rather use that money there. But just, does it again, affect, like, does it affect you? Like, does it, does it affect it for you? Because it doesn't affect for me personally, because I think whether they re-sign him, like, even if they go out and replace him with a shooter, they're still going to be an awful shooting team. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, it's, and it depends what kind of shooter they replace him with. Yeah. That's the thing for me. It's like, they're not one shooter away. Like they're not, they're not JJ Redick away in terms of shooting. Right. Like he's a great shooter, but like right now on the ro- like last year's roster, for instance, we'll take last year's roster. There was, by the end of the season, there was one above average three-point shooter, and that was Mike Dunleavy, who barely played. And then you have Mike Muscala, who was really good last year as a three-point shooter. I think he shot like 40%, but as a really small sample, and he's a center. Like that was it. Dennis Schroeder, below average shooter. Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, trending towards average-ish. Uh, Kent Bazemore was a bad shooter last year. Torian Prince is still not a good shooter at this moment. Thomas Ophelosha, not a good shooter. Paul Millsap is a capable shooter, but not a good one. Obviously, Dwight Howard, zero spacing. Like they, for, for all the talk about Bud Ball, they, they just didn't have any shooting. I mean, it was a in previous years, it wasn't like they had all these knockdown guys. Either they had Kyle Korver, obviously. Um, but you could play that way when you have Al Horford at center and Jeff Teague, who's a better shooter than Dennis Schroeder, for instance. Like, you, 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 you never had more than one absolute knockdown guy, but you had that guy and you had shooting at every spot. If you're going to roll with a center that doesn't shoot, you, you just need more spacing, and they didn't have it. So I understand your point, but I am going to say that to the point of they need to add shooting, you're right that Miscall and Dunleavy led the team in shooting, but that also up there was Corver, who they traded, Ryan Kelly, and then... Of all the wings, Tim Hardaway Jr. led the wings in the shooting. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I I think he probably is the best shooter of the wing, which is for all the crap I give him because he's never shot more than 36% from three ever in his career, not once. Uh, I think he I think he is the best shooter of the four, which is crazy because he's not a good shooter. Right. So I, I think we're kind of, I think we're kind of agree we're disagreeing we on his value, but we're agreeing yeah. on like the caliber of the player. I think we are. I, I I think I think he's like a seventh man, which is. Value. Right, a, a seventh, eighth, potentially sixth man. I don't know if that's. It depends how he continues to develop his his shot and everything. But I think he's more of a seventh or eighth man. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, on the high side, if he continues to develop, because he was listen, he was leaps and bounds later last year. If he makes another jump like that, maybe he can be better than I think he'll be. But uh, yeah, somewhere in that seventh range is about where I think he's going to be, and that's fine. And that, and that player, if he's exactly the guy he was last year for four years, he's worth eight figures. He is. I, I wouldn't love to pay him that, but he's not. In I wouldn't pay him that if I'm Atlanta, only because just there's too much chance of regression. I'm with you. 100%. Which I'm all, I, I almost feel like someone out there is going. Well, I would I would give them ten to twelve million a year, but um, I feel like someone out there is going to be willing to give him fourteen because, like I said, this is a because of the weakness of the free agency class and the fact that teams panic when they don't get the guys they want. Like, I think someone's going to look at him, look at his ear, and go, you know what, yeah, I'll give him $14 million a year over the next three years. Like, why not? Yeah, I, I, that's kind of, if I wake up, if we wake up July 1st and someone has offered him four for $52 million, that won't surprise me in the slightest. Not even a little bit. Four fifty six, something like that. Anything more than four sixty would surprise me. People like, there's people that like really think Tim Arnold Jr. Might, might get like Kent Bazemore money, which was four seventy. That's too much. He's not getting that. I don't think. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen because last year um, Mozgov signed for, for sixty-four million on day one. Uh, so uh, I guess there's things that are crazier that happened. I'd be shocked if he got baseball money. But listen, I don't know. I wouldn't. Put, I wouldn't put it past some of these GMs. Um, with, with that said, we should get through the other guys real quick because uh, you and I can talk forever about Tavares Junior. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, there are a bunch of other guys here to talk about. We'll sort of go rapid fire here. Um, Mike Muscala is interesting to me because the Hawks have uh, drafted him and groomed him, and last year he was very, very solid as a backup big, but, um, you know, small cap hole, that kind of stuff, but he's more of just a pure backup than anything. Is that a guy you think the Hawks should try to target to try to re-sign, or a guy you probably uh, would let go if he gets more than, you know, 5 or $6 million? If someone offers him too much, uh, I think you let him go, but... I mean, if you're able to resign up for cheap, resign up for cheap because, like I said, you need to fill players on the roster at some point. Yeah, I mean, Muscala is young enough where, like, I think last year might be just kind of what he is, but that's a a, a nice fourth big, which is fine. Uh, I will say he's 25, and a lot most bigs kind of come into their own around 27, 28. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, so. There's so there's potential for more. For sure, and if if, he sh- if if last year's shooting was real with Muscala, not necessarily forty two percent, which is what he shot, but if he can really be a high thirty three point shooter, um, and and be able to play competent center, that's pretty valuable. He could still move too. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, I think that's a very solid player that the Hawks like. I do I do think it's worth noting that uh, Travis Schlenk has no affiliation with Mike Muscala. You know, he's a Hawks guy through and through, but Schlenk is not. So we'll see how he feels about Muscala. Maybe if he doesn't like him, then. And that kind of tells the story because I obviously know that Bud and Wes Wilcox were big fans of Muscala having drafted him and groomed him, but Schlenk was not around for that. So we'll see how he feels about Muscala in the near future. Um, I wouldn't give him like $10 million, but less no, than $10 million, sure. Yeah, I think if you get him for like three years, $20 million, something like that, that'd be a nice, uh, decent value contract for somebody. It doesn't mean the Hawks will sign it, but they could. And they have bird rights on him, so that's interesting to note. Um, He's going to be one of those guys that gets re-signed late. Yeah, I think, I mean, somebody could fall in love with him, but I'm kind of with you. I think that will be one of the later ones, I would imagine. It would shock me if someone overpaid early. I think about, you know, sort of the all-timers, John Luehr last year. Like, is Mike Mike Muscala better than John Luehr? I think he probably is, or at least close to I think so. And John Luehr got four for 40 or something like that last year, which was, wow. Uh, That that contract happened. And I I, I like John Luehr, by the way, but yikes. Um, 
Shouts to uh, Coach GM combos, Stan Van Gundy. Uh, <laughs> those always work out well, as we've seen. Uh, I think Otis Smith is there, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, that's your boy. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love Otis Smith. Orlando yeah, Magic forever. Uh, we can uh, move on. I guess uh, next guy that's interesting in terms of actually probably was probably the best player of this group, in my opinion. I think you might disagree based on our pre-pod conversation, but Ursula Ilyasova, uh, he has a very large cap. Let him walk. Yeah, he has a very Trust large cap. Let hold. him walk. <laughs> I, 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 Chris is on record, as we've just heard. Uh, I'm, I'm in this camp as well. I do think Ilyasova is useful, but the fact that his cap holds $12.5 million means that uh, the Hawks either have to hope he, they can sign him early and have that number come down, or they're going to have to let him go because you can't pay him that much money to be a backup four, and he is a backup four, in my opinion. He's a solid backup four, but uh, a guy that I, I think is much more likely to be gone than be back. Uh, even if even if the Hawks decided to just pay a, a crazy luxury tax-like number for this team, uh, Ilyasova is not, probably not a guy that you, that you should be prioritizing based on how much money he's probably going to get. And not only that, just before he got to Atlanta, he might have been one of the most, like, one of the worst bigs I've ever seen play basketball. See, and you're so much lower. I think he's perfectly fine as a backup four. Like, yeah, I think he's fine. He shot 34% from three last year. Yeah, I, I mean, he's over. I don't, in Atlanta, I don't get how you like him. I really don't like him. It's I not just, that I like him. I just think you, I think you hate him. So it's funny. It's nice, it's nice it, to have it a guy that you're too low. because of how bad he was when he played in Orlando. Like, that, I, there may be some bias here. But just when but, I watched him in when I watched him in Milwaukee, when he signed with Detroit, I was like, oh, that's actually not a terrible get. Because he was a pretty decent player in Milwaukee. And then he was awful in Detroit. And then they traded him to Orlando. And he was awful there. And he was worthless in OKC. And then he gunned his way to Atlanta when he was in Philadelphia. Just gunned his way to it. And I remember I'd watch him and be like, he's actually playing decent in Atlanta. And that, that concerned me because I couldn't tell if he was just playing his way to a contract or if he'd found his shot or what. But just, I just don't think he's a very good player. Like, I don't even know. I mean, he's definitely an NBA player. Like, there's definitely a roster spot for him, but I just would not spend my money on him. Yeah, I am I am thoroughly convinced that he will get more money uh, than the Hawks um should be willing to pay, you know, will are willing to pay is a different question. Um, but alas, um, that's where we are. So I think, I think he's going to be gone most likely, but worth noting, um, other guys, uh, quickly here, Thomas Ophelosha, Chris Humphreys, Mike Dunleavy, and Jose Calderon. The one guy with a weird contract situation there is Mike Dunleavy, who is owed, uh, almost $6 million, uh, next year, but has a, has a non-guaranteed contract. So the Hawks only are guaranteed to give him $1.4 million, meaning that, um, they would either have to cut him and pay him. 1.4 million or keep him and pay him a much larger sum that would lead to me thinking that he's going to be gone. But any of these four guys you think the Hawks might prioritize, I think Seth Losha would have been the guy that I would talk about, but uh, before the end of the season, but with what, with what, what, with what happened in the playoffs and him not playing, I'm of the mind that he's probably gone, but maybe I'm crazy and they like him still. I just don't think that that went down in a way that uh, we going to leave Seth Losha wanting to stay in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't, if, the Cephalosha was the guy that I thought they would have resigned. I thought he was really good in Atlanta. I thought he's always been a really good player. But that they didn't play him at all in the playoffs kind of says how they really valued him, which I like him. I liked him Hardaway Jr., but if you value Tim Hardaway Jr. over Thabalos Cephalosha, I think that's insane. And it kind of looks like what that's what they did last year, so I think he's gone. Uh, Chris Humphreys isn't good anymore, so he's gone. Uh, Jose Calderon, uh, you might resign him just to have ro- just to have someone on the roster who's competent. 
but you can probably go get a you can probably get a better backup point guard somewhere for cheap. Yeah, I'm, I'm for me, Cephalosha would be great to have around. I just don't think he'll be able to take a discount, and I think someone will pay him more than the Hawks will at this point in time. And I've always liked Tabo. I think he's a really, really valuable player that should have played more down the stretch of last season. But I think he's probably going uh, Humphreys. I couldn't believe they signed last year. Uh, they gave him four million dollars. Um, my thoughts on Chris Humphreys are well documented at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess if he was to come back for a, for a league minimum. I wouldn't be upset about that because he's not, you know, he's an NBA player. Uh, I would, I'll be upset if they played him. But you, if you're if you're at the end of the if you're if you're at the end of the bench and you're trying to fill out a roster spot without going over the tax and you and you have to, and you have to sign minimum guys, you know, sure. But if they actually gave him real money, I'd be upset. Uh, I was not happy about it last year, and uh, I think he did nothing to dissuade me from that view uh, this year. And, but you know, Bud loves him. I know that. I mean, there's no, there's a reason I, there's a reason I signed him again. Bud is a big fan of Humphreys, but. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Travis Schlenk will not be, and that will not be a thing again. Uh, Calderon uh, was had, had a great game in the playoffs, like sort of almost won the Hawks a game by himself, kind of hilariously against the Wizards. Um, but I think for me, you have Malcolm Delaney already, who the jury is divided on. I'm still a Delaney fan, but he's the guy you have, you have, you have under contract for next year. I would certainly be going young with my third point guard spot, which means not Jose Calderon. I would be trying to find a rookie uh, maybe even draft somebody or find a D-league guy, somebody young you can develop rather than spending money on Jose Calderon. That'd be where I would be on that. Does that sound crazy to you anymore in there? No, nah, all that made sense. Although the one thing I will say about Humphrey is that he's still a good rebounder. He can't really do much else, but he's still a good rebounder, which if you need to fill out your roster spot with a rebound, with a guy that like, because every once in a while you go through a game in a year where you're just like, that guy is just killing us on the boards. And you throw that end of the bench guy that literally does nothing but rebounds and they have a good game because they did nothing but rebound. I can see Humphreys having that kind of value because I still think he like, despite the fact that he's not really good at really anything else, like he does provide value there. So he's an okay end of bench player. Yeah. I, I, that's why I th- that's the only reason why he's still in the NBA is he's a good rebounder. And I do think He's at least a if you're if you're playing him at center, he's a guy who can shoot a mid range jump shot functionally. He had some threes this year. Like he's not a terrible shooter. I, I just think he's a he's a pure center at this point because you know power forward doesn't really exist almost in the NBA, and he's a guy that can't play power forward anymore. He's a center, and because if you have a, if you have a center that doesn't protect the rim and isn't really useful on offense, it's kind of tough to sell on. But I guess if he's your fourteenth man, it doesn't really matter. So. I don't know. I wouldn't give him any sort of contract, but if the Hawks sign him for the minimum, then whatever. That's kind of where I'm. And of course, if he, I, if, if he resigns, I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to make you angry. Well, no. I mean, they gave him four million this year. And is four million really that much anymore? It's not. But here's the thing. Like, and we can get back down. I and mean, this sort of goes back into our early conversation about Millsap and Hardaway and those guys. Um, there's a real scenario in which this team is bordering on the luxury tax, which is in insane for a 41 basketball team but if they were for instance to pay paul and tim you know their market value they're basically one reasonable ish contract from the from the tax so if at that point in time you really are filling out your bench with minimums or close to it like you can't at that point you can't afford to pay four million dollars for chris Humphries, or you can't you can't afford to pay three million dollars for your third point guard that kind of stuff because okay yeah i guess you're looking at for i always look at these guys from like in a in a vacuum i'm with you you're right you're right four million dollars because if i try to look if if i start trying to look at how they're gonna look with other players on the team then it gets it's just gets too convoluted so i always try to look at guys in a vacuum then try to add context later for sure and you're right by the way like in a vacuum 
anyone on a one-year four million dollar contract is not the worst <laughs> thing in the world because it's it's almost like yeah forgotten it's, it's monopoly money i'm just i just i think it's worth saying on this uh, hawks focused podcast that you know paying the luxury tax is ab- abject insanity and i think I think Tony Ressler understands that and doesn't want to pay the luxury tax for a team that's not going to be good this year. But like, they're really going to have some roster crunch concerns um, if they pay Paul and Tim and don't get rid of Dwight or Kent Bazemore. Because you know, if they if they act like the, the like what, what the tax line is a hard cap, which is what they probably should do, it's just going to take some finagling. That's all. So that, yeah, that, at that point, you can't afford to like you know waste money places, and that would be a spot where they could waste the money. But alas, that's where we are. Um, well, Chris, I've, I've kept you for far too long, my friend. Is there anything else you want to get on, off your chest with regard to the Hawks? I know you're covering the whole league these days, and also I want you to uh, promote yourself and your uh, Twitter account, all this, all those things. So, get anything else that you want off your chest, as well as get uh, get yourself out there, my friend. I think we said everything we could about the Hawks. Uh, if people want to find me on Twitter, they can find me on Twitter at Chris Barnwell, C H R I S B A R N E Wall. Uh, you can find me all my writing at cbssports.com. I cover the NBA there, so that's where you'll find everything. I try to cover as much as I can. Please uh, go yell at Chris Barnwell for his takes. Uh, he's, Hot takes! He's one of the internet's leading trolls, so he should deserve uh, <laughs> he should deserve <laughs> that back Canada. back in his way. Yeah, it's you and Justin Rowan who's been a, been a guest on this podcast. The two of you, I think, would be, would be my two favorite trolls, at least in the non-Warriors division, because a lot of the Warriors guys are trolls, like Sam Espendiari and Andy Lou are out legendary as well. But uh, you and Justin... Uh, are... I have one more question for you. Yes. What's your opinion on the Florida-Michigan football game that's going to be next year and played like nowhere near either of them? Uh, it's in Arlington. I wanted to go. It's probably not going to happen because it's Liberty weekend. Um, um, why are they playing in Arlington? Jerry Jones, man. Cowboy. It's like the Cowboys classic or something. I don't know. It's that just, I'm excited. That's nowhere near either of them. It's a fun game. It'll be, uh, interesting. You know, Florida just picked up Malik Zaire, which will help them considerably without getting allowed to play football. Yeah. He's immediately eligible. Oh, huh. It might actually make some difference. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Michigan, I, my expectations are fairly low for Michigan this year, actually, because they lost so much um, from last year's team. But yeah, I like I like good football games. So uh, an opening game against SEC school is cool with me, even if it's in Arlington. And uh, yeah, but it's it is kind of weird. I would agree with you on that. But those kickoff games are sort of the norm now. Like you know, there's always one in Atlanta. The Chick Fil A game is always in Atlanta. They do this like that one's normally SEC ACC one, so I guess it makes more sense. But they have it all the time now. They're just it reminds me of like the college basketball preseason turn. Well, not the preseason terms, the opening season tournaments. Yes. But now they're like opening season bowl games. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it is, except for on a one a one game sample because football's one game samples. But yeah, I'm in for it, and uh, you know maybe you and I can trash talk in advance. I'm not a Gators fan, so well, you better good. win. <laughs> I mean, I know you're I know you're a uh, you're a grad of another institution in uh, in Florida. But a Go recent nice. grad, no less. You, you actually said the last time we talked, you graduated. So congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, anyway, well, there's Chris Barnwall, uh, CBS Sports National Basketball Association writer. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Have fun. Had fun. As for everybody else, um, please stay tuned uh, for later episodes of the podcast. We're going to be doing a draft-centric show. Later in the week, I have a special guest lined up that hopefully is going to come through. And uh, until then, uh, we will see you later in the week.
Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17